your Bibles to Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. Joshua 24, verse 15. And we're just going to continue. We're going to jump straight in from just worship into God's Word. I hope everybody's doing well this morning. Wow. I don't take it for granted when Holy Spirit shows up and just invades our life. Those are special moments. My prayer today is that the Holy Spirit would continue to guide us into all truth and would quicken hearts and pierce hearts as we continue today. Well, welcome as we, uh, for those who are joining us today, this is a continuation of our series on Joshua, which started last week. Um, And long story short, here's the goal behind it is that Joshua, one of the themes of his life was that he... um, He fought for, he grasped, and he inherited the promises of God. He was the guy that God used to bring the nation of Israel into their promised land. They'd heard about it for generations, and he was the guy. And so today, what promises are you holding on? Last week, we talked about how God gives us unique promises that are specific for our lives that we're supposed to fight for. And so what promises did you come in here today? What are the unique things in your life that you feel like God has placed deep within you that line up with his word? But you're going, Drew, I know I'm supposed to do this. I know that I'm supposed to go here, do this, obtain this, all for his glory. And so last week we talked about how, because each week we're talking about what qualities did Joshua possess? More importantly, how did he possess them? Was did he just win some, did he just win the faith lottery and was born with these, uh, with these qualities? No, if you look at his life, he's just like you and us from the standpoint that God gave him some unique opportunities to grow in his faith, and that's where we're going to look today. So as a continuation, again, last week, we talked about that he had unique perspective, and he got that because he would not let go of the presence of God. So today we're going to jump right in. We're going to start with verse 24. I'm sorry, with uh, um, chapter 24, verse 15. And you may think, well, well, Drew, okay, we're talking about Joshua, but I'm looking at the end of this chapter. Looking at the end of this chapter, and um, th- this, is, this is the end of the book. Wow. If we're talking about Joshua, why don't we start at chapter 1 and do some sort of chronological order? But this is the end of the book. Well, I think it's important because Joshua, just like each and every one of us is concerned in, about his legacy. The very last portion of this chapter, it shows that Joshua passes away. And this is one of the last times that he speaks to the people. And what he wants to do, and, it, and again, the same thing for us, is that he wants to leave them with a guiding theme. And he wants to leave them with something that will last And so I think it's important that we start at the end of his life because just like us, if we knew that our time was coming soon and we knew that it was one of the last times that we had to speak to the people, to speak to our friends and our family and the people that we have influence, we're going to try to sum up the most important things right then and there. So we're going to start at the end of Joshua's life because he says something that's very important. He sums up everything that he wants to share to the nation of Israel in this moment. 
just his way of introduction, we're about to read it. But really what he wants to do is he wants to share his legacy. A legacy is what we leave behind for others. And that's the quality that we're going to look at is the legacy that he left behind. I was looking, looking up uh, legacy. And here's the definition of it. Just the basic, if you were to go to Marion's Webster Dictionary or whatever, this is the, what it says. It says, a legacy is anything that is handed down from the past. But I began to do some research and I found a, another site that really summed up legacy very well. It said, often when you think about legacy, it's something that's left behind after a person has passed. Legacy is more about sharing what you have learned, not just what you have earned, and bequeathing values over valuables, as material wealth is only a small fraction of your legacy. A more, a more holistic definition of legacy is when you're genuinely grounded in offering yourself and making a meaningful, lasting, and energizing contribution to humanity by serving a cause greater than your own. The requirements of a legacy are that you embrace your uniqueness, passionately immersing your whole self into life so that your gift will be to all and that you take responsibility to ensure that it will have a life beyond that of you, its creator, outliving and outlasting your time here on earth. A legacy is that thing that when your name is mentioned, it's those adjectives that immediately come to mind. If I were to start right now and just mention a name like Mother Teresa, instantly the adjectives that would come to mind would be some long lines of compassion, her legacy that she left. When we think about an athlete like a Michael Jordan or a LeBron James, we would say champion, competitor. And so here we find Joshua at the end of his life, and he's wanting to leave his legacy. So what does he talk about? Does he talk about all the battles that he fought because he was a general and he led the Lord's armies? to take hold of the promised land. As you talk about those things and say, man, we fought these battles. Mm -mm. That's not the legacy that he wants to leave. Does he talk about how he fought wars and went to wars against other nations and led this small little nation of Israel into some of the greatest victories that they've ever experienced? Is, is that what he talks about? Is that the legacy that he wants to leave? Mm -mm. Does he talk about some of the personal things that he did. Does he talk about the kings that he conquered? Oh no. Does he talk about the time that him and the armies walked around Jericho, this city called Jericho, and, and instead, of see, uh, uh, um, instead of actually um, climbing the walls or, or, or seizing the walls to tear it down, how the walls just fell before him? Nope, that's not what he talks about. That's not the legacy. That's not the number one thing he wants to talk about. Does he talk about the time where he was fighting a battle and it was getting dark and he didn't, he didn't want to stop the battle because he didn't want to give his enemies a time to regroup and so he actually had the faith to pray, God, I pray right now that you would just stop the sun from setting so that way we can fight your battles and God answered his prayer and stopped the sun and literally they were able to fight for almost a full extra day and completely wipe out their enemies. It's true. Read your Bible. Does he talk about those things and leave that legacy? Oh, no. Not at all. Here's the legacy that he leaves. In verse 15, he stands in front of the entire nation, and this is what he says. I'm going to paraphrase it. He says, Choose for yourself this day 
whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, I don't care what you all do. It doesn't matter what decision you make. If all of you fall away, as for me and my house and my generation and the people that I have influence with, we're going to serve the Lord. And the and, the, and this legacy that he left, this challenge that he left was so powerful. If you continue to read that this is what the Bible says, that the entire nation committed their hearts back to God. And that throughout the lifetime of Joshua, as long as he was alive and as long as the leaders who served under him were alive, they served the Lord. That's how powerful his legacy was because it wasn't about him. It was about God. He drew a line in the sand and he said, this is who I choose. And I challenge you to do the same. So today, when we talk about the qualities that Joshua possesses, when we talk about the things, when we, when we truly talk about taking hold of your promises and seeing God at work in your life and being able to come to the end of your life and say, I was able to accomplish the things that God wanted me to. Yes, we inherited, the, we inherited the land. Yes, we fought many battles. Yes, we saw God move. But here's what's most important. We, we made a choice. And we're going to serve the Lord. The quality that he possessed, and if you're taking notes, this is what he possessed, that if you are going to take possession of the promise that God has given you, Here's the quality that he had. He had the courage to choose. The courage to choose. We're going to get into how in a moment. But he had the courage to make a choice. So today, let's talk about making a choice. Maybe you didn't realize you were going to come in here today and all of a sudden have this kind of message where it's like make a choice. But today, as a church body, we're going to draw a line in the sand. And you're going to be challenged to make a choice. Can I just tell you, I was challenged even going through this. But you're going to be challenged to make a choice. We're going to go through what he said. We're going to go through how he mentioned it. We're going to go through the things that were important in that statement. And then you're going to be given the opportunity to make a choice. But more importantly as well, we're going to see how God set him up to where he could have the courage to make that choice. Let's pray, and then let's dig right in. You ready? You ready? All right, let's pray. God, I just pray you would anoint every word. God, I pray, Lord, that you would speak through me with boldness, Father God. I'm not important. You could get anybody else up here, Father God, but as long as you're the one who's speaking, God, that's what matters. You've already met with us at the beginning portion of the service, Father God. You've ministered, and I just pray right now, Father God, that you would give each and every one of us the courage to choose. And I thank you for that, God, in your name. Amen. Thank you, Ben. All right, let's dig right in. So he told the, he told the nation, choose for, yourself who, uh, uh, choose for yourself this day who you're going to serve. As far as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Let's actually break that down. The first thing that he actually challenged them to do was to choose. He challenged them to make up their mind what are you going to do? Let me just go ahead and give you a truth that I have found true over and over and over again. Outside of God himself, the most powerful thing here on this earth is a made-up mind. 
When you make the choice and you set your mind to do anything, it's amazing how nothing can stop you. I'm not talking about some emotional experience. I'm not talking about you feeling like you've got to, you've got to go to this conference and, 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 and do this or see this or whatever. No, no, no. I'm talking about you make a choice in your mind. And, and, and when you do so, when you do so, you set a stake so far in your heart that nothing can touch you. Make a choice. Choose. On one hand, draw a line in the sand, and on one hand, you are going to choose the things of God. You're going to choose the ways of God. Are you going to be perfect? Am I going to be perfect? Nope. But you make the choice because it's not about, it's not about us being perfect. It's about his perfection. But there does come a time that we say, you know what, for everything that I am and for everything that I'm not, I know what side I'm going to be on. And I know what side, I know whose team I'm going to play ball for. And it is God's. I'm not going to have one foot in and one foot out. I'm not going to be wishy-washy. I'm not, I'm not going to be one way on a Sunday morning, I'm, be one way on a Sunday morning, and then all of a sudden be, be another way on another day. There's literally a song that's on the radio right now. It's hilarious to me, and I hear it, but this is the lyrics of it. It goes to the bridge, and it says, we pray on them Sundays, and we cuss on them Mondays. This is how we roll. Oh, no, you don't. You make a choice, and it sounds like you already made yours. Sounds like you already made yours. It's not about perfections. It's not about this checklist, but it is about each and every one of us making a choice. Choose one or the other. The most miserable people in this world are the people who haven't made a choice. Jesus Christ said this in the book of Revelation. He said, oh, how I wish you were either hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, because you haven't made a choice, I'll spew you out of my mouth. He goes, be one or the, the other. If you're gonna choose God, choose him. If you're not... At least go enjoy your rebellion. But it's the people who have one foot in and one foot out. Let me just go ahead and tell you, you will not inherit the promises in your life. You'll not inherit the promises that God has placed in you riding the fence. Some of you may say, well, Drew, that sounds kind of harsh. I'm not sure if I'm ready for a message like that, right? I, I'm just, I'm taking steps of faith. I'm not sure if I'm ready just to all of a sudden today to make a choice. I didn't walk in here. What about this journey with God and everything else? And yes, there, there's a time and a place for that. Next week, let me just do a little plug for next week. Next week is our Evangelism Sunday. And, 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 and I'm going to talk about that, about, hey, wherever you're at in your journey, God has grace for you. But here's the thing. I'm not talking to beginning believers. The context of what Joshua was, uh, of who Joshua was talking about. He was talking to the nation of Israel who knew God, who saw, his, who saw God's power, who saw him deliver them. Time after time after time again, these weren't just beginning believers. These were unbelievers just checking out God and seeing what he's like. These are people who knew the things of God and who, and who had inherited the promises. And so for you, yes, there is a time to talk about beginning steps with God, but the, based on the context of this and the context today and the context of where you're at, if you know the things of God and you know God has placed a promise deep inside of you and you want to see it accomplished in your lifetime, choose. Because you will not inherit the things God has placed in your heart one foot in and one foot out. It won't happen. I'm not talking about perfection. I'm talking about making a choice. See, there came a time for me. I, part of my testimony, and, and, and I used to think I was so weird, but, and I still am, don't laugh, right? But um, I, I, there came a time for me at 15 years old, it was, I was almost 16, but there came a time for me that I made my choice. 
God had been reaching out to me and pouring into me and, and wooing me and saying, Drew, I got a plan for you. Just all this crazy stuff when I was 15 years old. And I kind of ran from him for a year because I was like, wow, you know, this God thing, I don't know if it's cool. I'm a teenager. I got to keep what little rep I got, everything else. But there literally came a time that I, I wasn't at a conference. I wasn't at a youth retreat. The, the first time I ever went to a youth retreat or a camp was, at, was when I worked one in college. I wasn't at a camp. I wasn't even at a church service. I was in my bed at Hartley Bridge Road, and all of a sudden, I knew I'd been running from God, and I started singing this old song, which some of you may love. It's one of my favorites. I just started singing it. Lord, you are more precious than silver. Lord, you are more costly than gold. Lord, you are more beautiful than diamonds, and nothing I desire compares to you. And the Spirit of God came over me in my bed. Nobody was praying with me at that moment. It was just me and God, and I made a choice. This is what I told him. I said, God, I said, I'll make many mistakes. God, I'm going to blow it. God, there's going to be times as your representative that I know I'm going to fail. I know that there's probably going to be times that you're going to look at me from heaven and say, wow, look at that donkey. Right? I know that's going to happen. But God, I make you this promise today. I'll never turn my back on you. And in my bed, right before my 16th birthday, I made my choice. Today, who's here? And you need to make a choice. You know God has called you for greater things. You know God has placed it in your heart to do incredible things. You know you're supposed to be the one in your family to break free from the patterns that's happened. But you gotta start by making a choice. And let me just go ahead and say, God's gonna sustain you. You're not gonna walk this alone, but you will have to make a choice and choose a side. God had actually told the previous generation before Joshua in Deuteronomy, he said, Deuteronomy 30, 19 said, I've set before you life and death, blessing and a curse. Therefore, choose life that your offspring may live. Who's here today who needs to make a choice? Today's your day. The next thing he said, he said, make a choice for yourself. Make a choice for yourself because the choice you make is a personal one. It is a personal one. As great as it is that we've got friends and family and that we've got people in our circle of influence and that we've got pastors, we've got church leaders, that we've got churches, there comes a time where you've got to realize that those things don't matter. I've, I'm the one who, who when my time is up and I've got to stand in front of God, I'm not gonna stand in front of God and give an account for my life with all these other people around me. I'm gonna give an account of my life as a personal individual. You have to make a personal choice based on you. But I cannot tell you the amount of stories that I hear from people who choose not to make that choice for themselves because of hurts and things that have happened that other people have done. And this is what they've said in their mind. They said, you know what? If that's what church is, if that's what Christianity is, if that's how it's going to be, I don't want a part of it. But you know what? I'm not excusing what those people and what that church and what that pastor and what those representatives of Christ did. I'm not excusing that because they're going to be responsible for their stuff. But there's got to come a time that you've got to say for yourself, it doesn't matter what they've done, good or bad. I'm going to weigh the facts out for myself and I'm going to make a choice for myself. And thank you, God, for the examples of what not to be so you can help me not be that. Make the choice. One of my favorite people in the Bible is a disciple and an apostle named Thomas, but he's got a bad rap. He's known as Doubting Thomas. 
If you look at the history of the disciples in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all doubted. But he's the one that got the label. He's the one that's got the complex. Every time he walked in to the uh, to local church of the synagogue, pfft, doubting Thomas, right? He goes, you're all doubted. Well, no, why is it just me? He's got a bad rap. But here's something funny. If you look at his life, this is what I appreciate about Thomas. In, in the Gospel of John, there came a time after Jesus had been resurrected that he appeared to uh, some of the disciples, said that all these disciples got around Thomas. Thomas hadn't seen him yet and said, Jesus is alive. That's cool. Wow. This is what he said. He said, unless I'm able to put my fingers in the nail holes in his hand and I'm able to touch where his side was pierced, I won't believe He gets a bad rap for that, but here's the truth. This is what he's saying. I don't care what you say and what you experience. I'm not discounting it. But for my faith and for me, I've got to see it for myself. And it says that a week later, disciples are hanging out, and Jesus just kind of shows up, pops up. And immediately he went to Thomas. And he held out his hands. He goes, Thomas. He didn't rebuke him. Held out his hands and says, Thomas, put your fingers through my nail holes, my hands. Thomas, here's my side. It's me, Thomas, and I've risen from the dead. And if you look at Thomas's response, he said, as soon as he had that experience that he weighed the facts in for himself, immediately he said, my Lord and my God. I love that about Thomas. He didn't just have some hand-me-down second faith. He, got, he wanted to know Jesus for himself. He wanted to see and experience that. And in some ways, that's an example for us. Who here, you've been living off the faith of a parent or a grandparent. You've been living off the secondhand faith of a pastor. And Jesus Christ is inviting you to make the choice for yourself today because he wants to know you uniquely. Who's here? The next thing he told him, he said, make a choice for yourself But then he said, today, make a choice for yourself this day. Don't wait. Today's your day. And that's going to make some people very uncomfortable. And I recognize that. And I promise you, I didn't, when I was preparing for this message, I didn't make it my goal to say, hey, let me see how uncomfortable I can make people. That was not my goal. But in preparing this, this this was the legacy that Joshua left. He said, choose for yourself today. We're not waiting for tomorrow because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. James 4.14 says this. It says, you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. And there are some people in here, you've been waiting. You've been procrastinating. You've been putting off making that choice I'll get it I, next week. I'll go to this conference and I'll get it right. I'll wait. I'll wait till I really feel it. I'll wait till all of a sudden that special song is played. Then I really know. Maybe if Ben comes up and plays, oh, it's just going to hit to me. Oh, it's time. Now it's time. Mm, today, I, I, I'm here to tell you that today's your day. You don't have to wait tomorrow. To be truthfully, you don't even have to wait to the end of my sermon. If today's your day, you come on. You don't have to wait. Oh, but we love to wait. 
Oh, we love, to, we love to procrastinate. We love to give excuses. And here is Joshua saying, uh-uh, I'm not worried about tomorrow because tomorrow is not guaranteed. How many people here have lost loved ones unexpectedly this year alone? You didn't see it coming because here's what usually happens when it comes to tragedy and death. It usually doesn't knock on your door about a month before and say, hey, I just want to prepare you for this. It just kind of happens. And you don't see it coming. Today's your day. Tomorrow's not guaranteed. It's funny how we make excuses as to why we're not going to do it. It's funny how we make excuses to where now I'll put it off. There's a passage in Luke that is, if you read it and you really get the context, it's hilarious. Luke chapter 9. Like, it's one of Jesus' key moments where he just, like, he has three interactions with people about following him, and they each three give excuses, and then he absolutely just dominates their face. Right, it's, it's not even funny. Like, like, literally, like, Jesus says something to one guy, and I'm going to show in a second, and you might as well just do the whole thing where he just drops the mic, I'm out, I just dominated your face, game over, I win, see you later. It's that cool. And so... But the same excuses, nothing's changed in 2,000 years. The same excuses that these three people gave Jesus are the same excuses that we live today. Luke chapter 9. Let's just start with the first one. Starting in verse 57. Again, these are three people. And, what he, and the heart of what he's dealing with is making the choice. It says this, it says, as they were walking along the road, I mean Jesus and the disciples, a man said to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. That's a good thing. But then Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. If you dig into that, here's the excuse. The excuse is the excuse of comfort. That's what this guy was given. Because literally he goes up, and I guess he thought he was going to try to get on Jesus' good side and that Jesus wouldn't know his heart. And he says, hey, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. This is what Jesus said hey, you see that fox over there? He's got a place to sleep. You see these birds? They've got a place to sleep. You see nature and how nature has provided a place for animals to sleep, but the Son of God is homeless? See, you're saying you'll follow me wherever you go, but let me tell you where I go. Where I go, I'm homeless. Every single day of my life, I don't have a home. And the Bible does not record that the guy followed him. See, Jesus got to the heart of the matter. He said, you say you'll follow me. Okay, if you're going to follow me, let me just go ahead and tell you, right now in my life I'm homeless, which means you're going to have to be homeless. So come on, let's go. Let's go. And there's no record of the guy following him because the guy was more interested in comfort. That's what Jesus was getting to the heart at. He said, if you're going to follow me, you're not going to be comfortable. You cool with that? Hey, hey, where'd you go? As soon as I said that. Isn't that the same excuse that we make today? I wish I, could, I, I wish I could stand up here and tell you with integrity that if you start following Jesus, that all of a sudden your life's going to be comfortable. But God is not worried about your comfort. He's worried about, he's worried about bringing you to positions and places in your life where he'll strip you and then you get the things that you really need. See, we, we talked about in just uh, uh, during our transition point about 
love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. The beautiful thing about the, fruit of those, uh, about the fruit of that spirit is that you can have that in your life no matter what the circumstances are. It's the beautiful thing. But to get there, Jesus will take you through places where you're stripped, where you have to let go of things. It's not comfortable, but it's worth it. It's worth it. Here's the next excuse. The excuse of living, uh, the excuse of having order and control. So, he, so Jesus Christ dominates this one guy. Next guy comes along. Jesus went to another man. This is verse 59. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. On the surface, it sounds like Jesus is being harsh. Here's the guy saying, hey, I want to just go bury my dad, then I'll follow you. And Jesus says, uh-uh, because Jesus knew the heart of it. Let, let, let me ask you this question. If this guy, if this guy's father was dead, why wasn't he with his father burying him right then and there? Why was he just hanging out? Can I just tell you, I lost my grandmother this year. Man, she was serving a God, loved God, she, and I can't wait to see her in heaven uh, celebrating dancing with Jesus, right? But can I tell you, when my mom and I got the call that she had passed away, immediately we went and we made arrangements. Immediately. So here's this guy. Here's this guy that says, well, let me go bury my dad. And Jesus is calling his bluff and saying, if you needed to go bury your dad, you would already be with him burying him. But let's talk about the heart of the issue. The heart of the issue is that what you want to do is to delay following me under the guise of something spiritual going on in your life. And so what I'm going to call you is you're, you're the one who's dead. You're spiritually dead. That's hard. But that's true. That's Jesus just cut into the heart of what's going on. But we do the same thing. We'll sit there and say to ourselves, say to ourselves well, I've got to have my life in order. I've got, I've, I've, got to, I've got to stop this addiction. I've got to do this. I've got to, I've got to actually start going to church more. I've actually got to uh, attend a Sunday school class. I've got to join a church. I've got to do all these things and get my house in order, and then I'll make the decision. That is outside in as opposed to inside out. Are those things good? Is joining a church? Is going to church? Is going to Sunday school? Is, uh, is, is getting free of your addictions and everything in your life? Are those good things? Absolutely. But you don't start by getting those things right first and then making the choice. You do the exact opposite. You go to God with everything that you are and everything that you're not and say, I lay it at your feet and trust that you are going to clean this up. But I start by making a choice right now. You don't have to have everything together. Jesus is the one who cleans you up. Here's the last one, the excuse of letting go. Verse 61, still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. This guy said, yeah, I'll follow you, but first let me, go, let me go kind of say goodbye to these things. And Jesus said, uh-uh, if you're going to do it, do it. But I'm not going to give you the opportunity to go to your family and, and, and say, hey, guys, you just really called me. i got to kind of let you go now, but I really love you and miss you, but I'm kind of doing this thing for Jesus. Hmm. Because Jesus knew once you start looking back, uh-uh, you're not fit for the kingdom. And once again, Jesus just cuts to the heart of the issue, but nothing's changed in 2,000 years. Because we'll sit there and say, God, I've got to give up all this stuff for you. 
Let me go say bye to it. Because he also knows that once you try to go say bye to those things, they'll talk you out of it. How many people in here have said, I'm going to make my decision, but first let me go say bye to this person. Let me go say bye to this thing. Let me go say goodbye to this situation. And once you go to that situation or that person or that thing, within five seconds of it, you're talked out of it. And you're like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to follow Jesus. You make your decision now and you just start walking. You do it now. Choose. Stay who you'll serve. There came a time for me, I told you, I turned my life over to God at 16. I made my choice. What wasn't perfect, made a lot of mistakes, but I made my choice. Can I tell you what that meant for me? I knew in that moment, I knew in that moment, I was not strong enough to stand with the people that were around me. I had great friends, but I knew I wasn't strong enough to stand. Just so happened, just so happened, my dad called me and said, Hey, Drew, there's a brand new high school. That's being built. You're about to enter your junior year. And uh, you come to my house every other weekend, so you kind of live with me. Do you want to use my address to go over there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. Who makes the decision in their right mind to go and change high schools your 11th grade year? I didn't know anybody. Walked into Westside High School, didn't know anybody. But you know what I did do? I made the break. Because I knew in that moment... I didn't judge my friends. My friends are great. I didn't judge them, but I knew I wasn't strong enough to, stay, to stand around them. In my newfound faith, I judged me and said, like you, love you, I will always be your friend, but I've got to make a choice. And I walked into Westside High School in my 11th grade year not knowing anybody, but I made my choice. I put my hand to the plow. And was it lonely at times? Sure. Did I learn a lot about my God and about my Savior? Mm-hmm. Some of you need to make that decision as well. You need to stop trying to go back and explain to the things that you're leaving why you're leaving them and just leave them. Just do it. Nike it. Just do it. (laughs) Choose you this day. Whom? This is the key. Don't choose this day what you're going to do. What you're doing right now when you choose whom as opposed to what is you're settling the issue of who gets the credit. Because if you choose what you're going to do, you instantly begin to write yourself inside of the story. That means it's all on you to make sure that it, seems, that, this seems, that it is seen through. And if you do it, glory be your name, hallelujah to you. And anybody who's walked with Christ for about two seconds realize, realizes the fact that apart from me, you can't do nothing. And you realize, wait a minute, mm-mm. I can't be ambitious for my Jesus. I've got to serve him, let him work through me, and then I, can, then I can accomplish all the things that he wants to accomplish. The hardest thing for me at 16 years old, I talked to you about how I went to Westside, how I changed schools, did all that stuff, right? The hardest thing for me my first year as a Christian was the fact that I wanted to do all these things for God, and I couldn't do it. I never will forget. Now, I, I never did drugs. I, I never did all. I, I, I didn't go off the deep end before I turned my life over to God. I did have a potty mouth. Oh, it was bad. It was bad. Right? And I never will forget two months in. Of course, I, and, 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 you, and, and some of you are going to laugh because you've been there. Of course, I made this commitment. God, I will never curse again. I'll never do it. Two months into it. Two months into it. 
I go to a bowling tournament because I bowled, right? I'm pretty good at it, right? I am, right? Some people play football. I bowled, right? 190 average, come get some, woo, right? But we go, we go to... We go to this bowling tournament, right? And all of a sudden, somebody from another, this shows, this shows how dumb I was. This, this, here I am, new Christian. I bring my Bible to the bowling tournament. Woo, look at me, right? And, uh, you know, and all of a sudden, some guy from another team starts talking smack to another guy on, on, on my team. And, uh, and next thing you know, I lose all of my Jesus. I lose all of my religion. And I come to him because I'm going to confront him and handle some business. But I do it with some choice words. And I did it with more choice words. And next thing you know, it's just like, verbal vomit coming out of my mouth, right? And I don't know where it came from, but I just remember afterwards, I just grieved. Grieved. I was like, God, I made this commitment for you. How in the world? And God began to work in my heart and say, well, it's more about submitting to me than it is about you doing something great for me. Don't make it your goal today to leave out of here, and I'm not going to do this, or I'm not going to do that. Those things are good. You leave here today going, I make my choice to serve the Lord, and him and I are going to do this together. We're going to do this together. And even on my best day, the Bible says that my righteousness is like a filthy rag, but I'm going to cling to the Son of God, and I'm going to trust that as I walk in the Spirit, I will not fulfill the lust of the flesh, that through him and with his power, I can walk but he gets the credit. He gets the credit. And yes, God cleaned up my potty mouth. He did, just in case you were wondering. So he goes and he gives this commandment. He leaves his legacy. Choose you to this day whom you're going to serve. And he says, but as far as me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Here is what's important. This is the powerful thing about leaving this legacy and about making this choice is that while you can't make the decision for other people and you can't make somebody serve God, you can't influence them heavily. And that's what he did. As far as for me and my house, we're going to serve God. Think about the people that have been in your life. Think about the people that have been in your life that have impacted you for the kingdom. And now think about the impact that you can have in other people's lives for the kingdom all by making a choice. I think if I was a little boy, I think about two people in my life that really made an impact. One was my grandfather. Loved God. Oh, loved Jesus. If you know George Arnold, oh, loved his and Jesus, right? I remember, it's, I remember we'd go to church, and I'm a little boy, and all of a sudden we'd have testimony time, if you know what I'm talking about, testimony time. And he'd stand up and go on and on and on, and my grandmother would literally sit there and have to tug on his little coattail to get him to sit down because he would not shut up about his Jesus. We would go, uh, uh, he'd love to go to Kroger, not to pick up groceries, but to witness to the people taking out his groceries. He'd sit there and look him in the eye and say, hey, you don't know me, and I don't know you, but do you know my Jesus because he loves you? And that little bag boy's going, Am I going to get a tip? <laughs> I remember seeing those things that impact for, for me as a little boy, and I never will forget it. Challenged to love my Jesus as my grandfather did. The other person is my father. My father left an impact because he made a choice. But here was his choice. Is my grandfather, nobody has impacted me because he would... He, he, he would pull me aside. And he would talk to me about the things of God. He would say, Drew, he goes, I think it's great 
I think it's great, the programs and everything else that you want to do, but just remember one thing. God is bigger than your dreams. God's bigger than anything you could ever imagine, and he's bigger than the programs. And I remember even as a little boy, it's inspired me to think outside, outside the box. And if those two people making their choice can influence me, what can I do? And how can I impact the people around me by making a choice? This morning, I woke up to my little girl. She asked me to fix her some cereal, Madison. I said, sure, baby. So I, I, I fixed her some Captain Crunch, poured the milk on it, and I'm about to walk out the door. And all of a sudden, she goes, Daddy, yeah, baby, it's church day. I sure do love, I sure do love going to church. Cool, baby. She goes, you want to know why? Why, baby? Because Jesus is there. Yep, he sure is. I'm not perfect, but that's the impact leaving. What impact could you leave by making a choice? How could you alter the destiny of your family, of your friends, of your circle of influence just by making a choice today? How could you do that? The choices that you make impact the next generation. Joshua had the courage to choose. He had the courage to choose. Today, do you have the courage to make a choice? But here's, let's go ahead and get rid of this question that may be coming through your mind. Drew, it was easy for Joshua to choose. It was easy for Joshua to say that because he won the faith lottery. He was born, he was special, and so he was able to come out and say, yep, I make a choice, and I'm not Joshua, so do not ask me to make choices like Joshua. That's why Joshua made it in the Bible, and I didn't. Wrong. Now let's go to the beginning of Joshua. Joshua chapter 1, and let's see why he was able to make that, that legacy. What opportunities did God offer to him that he offers to us that would give him the courage to choose? There's a moment when Joshua, in chapter 1, verse 7 through 9, there's a moment that God speaks to him, and this is what God says. It says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips, meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written on it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you everywhere you go. Joshua had the courage to make the choice because very early when he began to fight for the promise, he immersed himself in the truth of God. For us today, thousands of years later, if you want to have the courage to choose not only today, but when you get out of here and make the choice tomorrow and make the choice next week, next month, next year, to where you can continually have the courage to stand up straight and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You've got to immerse yourself in the truth of what God says about you. The same thing that God told Joshua, God makes available for us today. He offers us his promises, his word, his very son himself in word form and says, if you'll just immerse yourself in this truth, you will have the courage to stand. Romans 12, 2 says this. It says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but instead be transformed through the renewing of your mind. Then you will know how good, pleasing, and perfect his real really is. 
If you immerse yourself in the truth of God, which runs countercurrent to the message that is being told to you through the mainstream media in the world today, you will be renewed and you will know how perfect his will for you is. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. If you think that that Bible that you have holding in your hand or in your lap, or that Bible that you left on the shelf collecting dust or use it as a paperweight is some sort of just book that you can read by like a novel. Here, this word is a living, breathing document that can do incredible things for your life. Romans 10, 17 says this, it says, so faith, how does faith happen? Oh, do we win the faith lottery? No, no, no. Faith comes by hearing and from hearing the word of God. You want to see faith increase in your life, you increase your time with the Word of God. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, it says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. All Scripture. Well, some of you may say, Drew, that's great, but I just need an encounter with Jesus. If I get an encounter with Jesus, I'm good. Woo! Okay, that's great. Do you realize that the number one way that you can have an encounter with Jesus is through His Word? Let me prove it to you. John 1.1 1, 1 says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Skip down to John 1.14. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Every time you interact with your Bible and the Word of God, you are interacting with Jesus Christ Himself. Don't tell me, I don't settle for an experience when you can have the word of God, Jesus Christ himself. Matthew 7, 24 says this, it says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. You know it. You live it. And when the storms come and your choice is tested, you've got something to stand on. All right, I've already mentioned one old school song. Let me go and mention another one. This is from my childhood, but it's so true. The anchor holds, though the ship is tattered. The anchor holds, though the sails are torn. You want to have that anchor in your life when the storms of life come and rocks your world and you don't know what you believe and you question everything? And it seems like God's a million miles away. You saturate your life with truth and you anchor your life in the word of God. You want to have the courage to choose and stand every single day. You anchor your life in the word of God. But wait, Drew, wait. In order to do that, I've got to carve out time and my life is busy. Okay? Let me drop some more knowledge on you about what God said. If you notice that God said to Joshua, God never told Joshua not to have an active life. That was never his commandment. Joshua, uh, he, he never even told Joshua, you've got to carve out three, time, three hours a day and ignore the other stuff so that way you can, you can spend time with me. No, what he said was this. He said, he told Joshua to meditate on the law night and day and to keep it close to his lips. So instead of saying, Joshua, 
carve out time for me. He said, I want you to take the word of God and apply it to every single day of your life, every single minute of your life, because it can transform every piece of action that you do. He never told Joshua to, to, to not be active. He told Joshua, take my word in every part that you're active. How would our lives change if we woke up in the morning and all of a sudden, first thing we did when we woke up, well, when we woke up, woke up, when we woke up is we started our day off with, a, with, a, uh, with, a, um, with, with some scripture in the word, with a chapter of God's word. How would our life change if we redeemed our workouts? We're sitting there running, we're working out, and we've got a sermon being played through our ears. How would our life change if before we started going to work and before we got in the car, we found a scripture, just meditated on it all the way down till we got to work? How would our life change if all of a sudden when we went on a lunch break, we took, we took our Bibles with us and we just read a chapter and, 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 and then ate? How would our life change if on the way home we actually found another verse and meditated on that? How would our life change if before we went to bed, we said, God, before I go to sleep, I'm going to read one more chapter? How would our lives change if we actually found a life verse for our life because God has pointed that thing out to you and we rehearsed it every single day of our lives? Drew, do you have a life verse? Mm-hmm, glad you asked. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 10. For we hold this treasure, uh, for, for we hold this treasure in earthen vessels so that, so that the surpassing greatness of the power is from God and not from ourselves. We are hard-pressed on every side but not crushed. We are persecuted but not abandoned. We are struck down but not destroyed, always carrying in our bodies the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our bodies. The second one is Philippians 2, 5 through 11. How would our lives change instead of trying to compartmentalize our life? For the word of God, we said, God, I'm going to take you wherever I go. I don't compartmentalize my time with my wife. I put a ring on my finger that shows I carry my wife with me everywhere I go. Why should God be, anywhere, why should God be anything different? See, God gave me a challenge a long time ago. God never told me not to live and enjoy life. He just told me to make sure that I had priorities and that my priorities made sure that the word of God took precedent in my life. Let's put that down to where we live. God never told me not to love the Georgia Bulldogs. Next Saturday at 5 o'clock, I'm going to be in my house woofing like an idiot. You're more than welcome to join. Even if you're a Clemson fan, then you'll be crying. All right? But what he did ask me is that I'm supposed to know God's word more than I know how many recruits, how many five-star recruits are coming in. He asked me to know his word more, more than I know the numbers on my bank account. He asked me to know his word more than I knew my favorite television show. Did he say to get rid of those things? Mm-mm. And be careful of people who try to tell you what to do and, you know, don't enjoy, don't enjoy sports or whatever. No. He just asked me to love his word more. And that's why every single day I start with these note cards. Because, see, I found myself at times reading God's Word like I would a novel and not really retaining it. And so I've got these note cards every single day, and I go through them. Romans 8, 37 through 39. Romans 10, 17. Romans 12, 1 through 2. Romans eleven twenty nine. 29. You can tell I just studied on the book of Romans before I did this, right? And every day I start my day off just memorizing these Word of God, just memorizing these Scriptures. I start my day off with that. 
when I have a break and, I, and there's nothing going on, I flip through the scriptures and I go through them, I meditate on them. When I get in my car, I meditate on them. And is it any wonder? See, it's easy for you to sit there and say, well, you know, okay, let, let's flash back uh, in our minds probably about 45 minutes ago when I was able to get up here and speak on scriptures about the Holy Spirit, right? Do you think that I was born with some just preaching gene and some great memorization skills to make that happen? Mm-mm. But it's amazing how what I put in me is able to come out when I need it the most. It's amazing how in that moment I did not plan to speak on, I did not coordinate with Ben and say, hey, Ben, you're going to lead on song four. You know, you're going to lead Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. And then I'm going to write down all these scriptures and I'm going to come up and talk about the Holy Spirit. I didn't plan on that. But in that moment, in that moment, Ben is leading that. And I just feel God's pressing on my heart. You, you talk about my Holy Spirit. And I'm able to come up and spit out scriptures to you, not because I'm great, but because what goes in me comes out of me when I need it the most. Ben, can I have you come up? So for us today, I'm not telling you not to live. I'm not telling you not to have hobbies. I'm not telling you not to enjoy your life. That is not my message. But what I will say is this. You make time for what's important. And if you want the courage to make the choice, you're going to have to know God's word for your life. You're going to have to saturate your mind with truth because when times, you don't need it for when the times are good. You need it for when the times get bad and your choice gets questioned. When all of a sudden you start playing the, the mental volleyball or the mental ping pong and you're going, did I really make the right decision? Did I really, I, 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 man, I made this choice for God and it's looking rough. But then you're able to go back and spit out what you're putting in you because it's truth. In closing today, I've got two challenges. The first one is this. Choose this day who you're going to serve. Today's your day. Not to be perfect, nobody is. But today's your day to choose that you are drawing a line in the sand and you're saying, as for me and my circle of influence, everything that I know that I can do, I'm going to serve the Lord. And you say, well, Drew, okay, I'm ready to make that decision, but I'm not really going to do it publicly. Wrong. If you notice, Joshua said that in front of, the, in front of an entire nation. When you draw the line in the sand, it's not meant to be private. When you draw on the line in the sand and you make a choice, it's to be public. That's why Jesus Christ said baptism. One of, the, one of the commands that Jesus Christ gave us, one of the ordinances was water baptism. That is a public thing because you're standing up in front of everybody and saying, as for me, I identify myself with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and I'm proclaiming it. I don't care who knows. You do it publicly. Jesus Christ said this, he said, if you'll confess me before people, I'll confess you before my Father. But if you deny me, I'll deny you. So who today? We're not closing eyes. We're not bowing heads. Who today, you would say, as for me and my house, the line's drawn in the sand, we're ser I'm serving the Lord. If that's you, stand up in front of these witnesses. Who's that today? I'm serving the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Amen. Now who would say, Drew, 
I need the courage to stand. And I commit to immerse myself past today. I commit to immerse myself in truth. So that way I can continue to stand in my choice. Who's that today? Slip that hand. I will immerse myself in truth. No longer will I try to stand on my own power. Amen. Amen. We all, this is a commitment that is made to be lived outside of this, these four walls. As proud as I am that we've stood together as a collective and corporate body and said, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. It's wonderful. It's a great first step. As for me and my house, I'll immerse myself in his truth. Great first step. Let's see who goes and lives it outside of here. Let's see who goes home. And before you take that wonderful Sunday afternoon nap, you blow the dust off your Bible and you read. Let's see who wakes up tomorrow morning and says, I'm not going to start my day until I start my day off with the Word of God. Let's see who says to themselves, outside of Genesis 1-1 and Jesus wept, I'm going to memorize the Scripture of God. Let's see who does that. Because time will tell. Be courageous. Be strong and courageous. You don't be afraid of one thing. You grasp your promise with both hands, believing that God is the author of it. You grasp that promise. You grasp that. Even if my, even as my wife is not where she's supposed to be, and now she's getting the hint, oh no, I should be gone. The hand out cards for the ridge. I love you. You grasp. You grasp that. Let me pray for us. Father God, I thank you so, so, so much for who you are. God, I speak these words over every single person that's here today. I speak over them, Father God, Joshua 1-7, that they would be strong and courageous, that they would be careful to obey all the law, all the word. It's not about perfection, it's about a heart. I pray, Father God, that they would not turn to the right or left and that when temptation comes up and tries to get them to compromise, that they would say, no, 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 no. My faith is not dependent on what I feel. My faith is dependent on the word. Father, I pray, Lord, that they would keep your word always on their lips, that, God, they would meditate, at night, that they would meditate on it night and day. They would introduce it into their lives. Father, I pray. God, that they would be prosperous and successful. And I pray one more time that they would be strong and courageous, that they would not be afraid or discouraged. Why is it because we're good, God? Absolutely not. It is because you are with us and you are the author and the finisher of our faith. Thank you for today. And Father God, let us come back next week, God, prepared to hear about your grace and prepare to see your saving knowledge come to people. In your name, amen. Y'all have an incredible day. Be strong and courageous.